Welcome to the Ghost Story Salon. Today we're going to talk to my friend Gil Landry. I've known Gil for about 20 years now. I've been working on this online musical benefit called Abolition 2021. You can get your tickets at noonchorus.com slash abolition. Gil has been really instrumental in helping put this benefit together. He got some amazing artists to come on board, people he's met in his many years of touring under his own name, and also with a band called the Kitchen Syncopators and with a little band you might have heard of called The Old Crow Medicine Show. All right, let's get into it. Gil Landry, thanks for talking to me here on the Ghost Story Salon. Oh, thanks for talking to me. So you're one of the unofficial uh, producers of this show. You you brought so many people on to Abolition 2021. I was so glad that I could. Yeah, you brought so many incredible artists on. Like, there's yourself, your old bandmate from Old Crow Medicine Show, Catch Secor with Molly Tuttle. Yeah, it was nice to have the, like, you know, you meet all these people as you travel. And I, it was nice to have them in the Rolodex to call up. And, like, you know, I never call any of them. And I was like, man, that this was, I, you know, I believe in this. And I think that, I, I mean, I really hope that we can raise the dough. I think we can. I hope so. Uh, the Abolition Apostles Church people, they're talking about doing a show every year, uh, you know, and hopefully at the property. Ooh, like a show show. Yeah. Nice. Like a show in the in the future times. I think that's a great idea. It's a great thing to be able to do with music. And yeah, it's one of the great things, raising awareness and helping. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in the day, I learned so much through musicians about different causes. Like, I mean, I was pretty young, but I remember all the work around apartheid. Oh, yeah. That was, I think I was just getting out of high school around then. For me, it was like Woody, Woody Guthrie and Bob Dylan and all those. I mean, they really, you know, I didn't, I never, they never talked about that kind of stuff in my home. Like, so I definitely got all of my awareness came from, I mean, a great amount of it came through song. I remember like a friend was sharing an article about the, the Christmas massacre in 1913. Take a trip with me in 1913. To Calumet, Michigan, in the copper country. I'll take you to a place called Italian Hall. And the miners are having their big Christmas ball. Yeah, it was amazing how many details I knew about that event just from Woody Guthrie. That is incredible. I never thought about it in that regard because, yeah, he really laid him out. And uh, like my father was a union guy, so I like grew up with like union awareness, but not not the depth of what it took to have them. That was where I like learned about sort of the history of, of unions and and just how rough it was and all, all of that kind of stuff. And you know, people in Angola. They could go in with a two-year sentence and end up spending 20 years at Angola. I've been doing my homework and 
it's one heartbreaking story after another. It's just deadening almost to to be exposed to this kind of abuse of justice constantly and just to know that all these people's lives have been destroyed and not just the individuals, but all of their families just radiating out into the community. Absolutely. I mean, I believe on a level, just in the just the psyche of the general population that is on board or, or not or unconsciously on board. Uh, suffers. And I mean, I think it's just, it's one big pot of suffering in relation to this, for sure. Right. It's deeply demoralizing. That's exactly what it is. It's just so ubiquitous. It's like, it's that, you know, it's like the forest for the trees. Like I watched this uh, documentary on Angola and then I was like listening to the warden speak and I was like, whoa, that is just such a sick view of life. In prison, it is the head warden who is responsible for every critical decision. Prison is in better shape every year. It's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful prison. You know, when you look out across, who would ever think you'd say a beautiful prison? For over a decade at Angola, that role has belonged to Warden Burl Kane. It's like a big plantation in days gone by. And then I listened to the prisoners speak, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, they've been... You know, you like everybody's indoctrinated with the same kind of view, and it's it's one of brutality for sure. You know, there's not there's not a in all the research I've been doing, I see very little compassion, and that compassion is still a lot of it is still based within the same framework, or it's like or it's Christianized, or it's it's um it's just you know the rehabilitation is uh got a funny funny definition of it. Right, and I, I think about the scandal with compulsory rehab like a lot of the the so-called rehabs that people end up in you know if you're sent to some place through the courts it's just uh you know providing unpaid labor for different companies and that's considered rehabilitation yeah absolutely and i was just talking with my neighbor about this to actually this afternoon just the fact that a such thing as a privatized prison exists is insane. I mean, I don't know when it started, but I remember hearing a lot about it in the 90s and all the fears, all the things that, that they mentioned. I mean, they were all true. People working for, you know, a company buys a fucking prison. They put somebody to work for like two cents an hour. I mean, it's insane. Along with the statistics that, you know, I, I believe it's that we have like 40% of the population of like all prisoners in this country alone, in the world. It's all just, it's very disheartening. Just like Americans have become entranced and we forget that healthcare, not health insurance, actual healthcare is not that expensive. People are just indoctrinated. When you're bogged down with making a living and the bills are mounting and you, you can't even see a way out. So I felt like the pandemic sort of, it broke the spell of daily life. And then it's up to the population as to what they do with that. Which, I mean, which could, you know, I mean, fuck, it's, it's, a, it's so many things, it's a burden and all these things. But I mean, for me, it was a, it's been a long year of self-reflection and um, God, I just hoped that for everyone else because you just, I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to look too far to see shit's fucked up. So I was really grateful when Abolition Apostles asked me to do a benefit show. That was just the idea. They just asked me to do one show. And then I thought, well, this project is so compelling. I'm sure a lot of other people would want to be involved too. So 
I just started calling people. I called you. I called some other artists who I knew individually would be interested in playing. But I also called people like Rusty Laser in New Orleans, who's this great bounce DJ and um, a manager in the scene there. And he brought in a whole lot of artists. I talked to Howard Wolfling, Welfing. (laughs) I'm not sure how to say his name. He got in touch with a lot of people and we got this incredible lineup together. Who who all else did you bring in? You brought in the Warren Treaty. Yeah, the Warren Treaty uh, brought in uh, Marcus Mumford and Nathaniel Rateliff. It was fun. It was fun to reach out to everybody. And, uh, like, I didn't know what kind of answer I would get. From everybody that, that got back in touch with me about it, it was all yeses. And, like, everybody was on board, and they all they all informed them. So, I mean, a lot of them were already very aware. Like, Nathaniel's already doing all kinds of great work. It's been inspiring. and. I hope we I hope we get some tickets, man. You brought on Jake Labotz too, right? I did, yeah. I love Jake. And Pokey Lafarge. Yep. I met him one time. We just like took a ride to the airport together or something from a festival. He seems sweet. Yeah, he's quite the character. He is sweet. Yeah, he's a sweet man. He we became one of my we we were never really close until the, I was living in L.A. We became pretty good pals, and uh, he's a good guy. I want to hear positive songs from you. I want to hear like some kind of lullaby. What's well, that's why I've been out. I've been in the country this whole year. I like landed on the spit of land in uh, California, and uh, it's rubbing off on me. I mean, I, I, all the songs that I'm writing are, are all positive which is like, I'm just embracing it. We'll see how they come out. Ah, that's so exciting. And you, you're just launching a Patreon? Oh, yeah, I did today, actually. Yeah, with a song of yours that I recorded. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I had completely, I'd totally forgotten that song. So thank you for carrying it on. Oh, man, I'm so glad. I was, yeah, yeah, you shared it with me like oh, I think it was almost ten years ago. I forget in L.A. or something. You were living there, and and you sent me a little a little demo you had of it. And yes, yeah, just it's just gorgeous. I still think you should cut it, but you said you don't feel it anymore, and I understand that. My way of judging a songwriter is pretty generous. If somebody can write one good song, then I think they're a great songwriter. But, you know, the, part of the way I think about it is, like, after you die, is anybody going to remember any of your songs? And if people remember one of your songs, you're a great songwriter. I, I agree. I, I think, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's, I mean, I applaud anyone who does it at all, you know, have, doing it all this time. And it, it's, you know, it's not, I mean, it's fun, but it's not, it's certainly not easy. And, and, and achieving that is like, yeah, that's like, you know, maybe some people can just do it. 
I mean, obviously some people could just do it. I know I, we can think of dozens, but, but it's so not mechanical for me. Like it does, I feel like it's, it, it comes or, you know, you're either touched with it or not. I love how some songwriters talk about that. The, like the genius method, you know, like this, the song is like a, a spirit that comes and visits you. Is there anything you want to say about your song? I'm doing a song from my album I put out called Place They Call Home. It's got a little levity, let's say. A lot of people have done really cool things from scratch for the benefit. My friend and collaborator, David Coulter, who's a super beautiful player, he, he was in the Pogues, super cool guy. Like he's um, really deep into theater music, incredible multi-instrumentalist, really beautiful dude. So for this song that he's doing, He's doing the old triangle. Most of us know it through the Pogues, but like Dylan and the band did a version as well. As the mice were squealing in my prison cell. And an old triangle. So David got a recording of the triangle from the prison that the song is about. What? The actual triangle that the song is about, that's how his song starts. And then he produced this really beautiful cover. Um, You know, he's like a stunning musical saw player. He plays a little saw in there. Seb Rocheford plays drums on it, who's this really beautiful composer, um, and Seb is uh, Patti Smith's main drummer in Europe, um, Steve Neve, who was Elvis Costello's keyboard player for many, many years. He's on there. He pulled all that together for this. That's fantastic. And it's an instrumental? No, he sings on it, which is amazing because he never, ever sings. Yeah, it's very moving. And uh, me and... My partner, Stevie Weinstein Boner, we sang back up on it. Do you want to tell a ghost story? Man, I wish I knew. Somebody just asked me about ghosts. I'm out here in the mountains outside of a town called Three Rivers. And uh, the spookiest thing that's happened to me out here was last fall. I hear, I hear this woman, it's like there's no one around. I'm on like 150 acres and the ways away, but there was a scream coming from, from the mountain, blood curdling scream, like some woman screaming, like way down in the valley. There's nothing back there, but like a, a little uh, ravine with a dry creek, like the scent chills up the back of my spine. And, I was, and, I was, and, and it went on for like, and I don't know what to do. I, I'm like, do I walk down this road, which I, I was not going to do, I'm not that brave. And uh, it was a mountain lion. 
Did you ever hear anything similar in rural Louisiana? Yeah, the neighbors. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, I would hear wildcats screaming at night. In Texas? In East Texas, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, they have them out there for sure, yeah. Well, I don't know if they have wildcats in the swamplands. Right. Your family's, like, from further south. So I'm talking about, this is basically due west from Shreveport. Yeah, seven miles into Texas. Like Texarkana? Yeah, that general area. That was, like, the, um, I'm talking about, like, my grandparents' farm when I was a kid going out there. And you'd hear these wildcats screaming at night. I remember it was so scary. And it really, it really sounded like a woman being murdered. That's exactly what it sounds like. Do you want to sing the Willie Nelson line or should I? Oh, scream like a panther in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> I loved her so dearly. He went out of his mind when she left him for someone. She left behind. He cried like a baby. He screamed like a panther in the middle of the night. What a fucking song. It's so good. Yeah, that is so good. I've always loved that line. Did you ever share a stage with him? Actually did. With Old Crow, we did uh, Memphis uh, one year. It's just humbling and tremendous and, and inspiring as can be. Like, I, I have to say the one thing that just seeing the human. So, you know, just I mean, you see the person and then it's like, oh, oh yeah, they're, wow. They're, you know, they're real. <laughs> it's a, it sounds silly, but I mean, I, I mythologize them so heavily. They're just seeing the old frail man still killing it on the guitar yeah. and singing those gorgeous songs. With the son. He's got his whole family band with him. And like, you know, you can see the path that you're on in your own way, you know, and, and it's really, uh, it's really beautiful. So beautiful. I got to open up for him one time. It was about 15 years ago, too. And he was so sweet. My great uncles were friends with him. Oh, that's nice. And they were twins, and they were older than him by about 10 years, and he hadn't stayed in touch with them. They used to own a club in, in Houston in, like, the 50s and 60s. And uh, I said, you know, my uncles are Aaron and Edward Hooper, the Hooper twins. And, and he was so sweet. He was like, oh, are they still with us? Like, and, and they were. The last uncle just passed away, um, but they lived to be almost 100. My grandfather, his uh, first, he's Cajun, so his first language was French, and he, and he had, his, his mother lived, I met, I met all of my great-grandmothers lived well into my 20s, like, so I, I met all these women born in, like, the late 1800s. What he did, he remembered all the songs she used to sing him, so he would sing all these, like, Joseph Falcone songs, like, that was about as musical as it got, but it was always, uh, it was really uh, heartening. How sweet! Do you ever play any Cajun songs? Just started learning Cajun fiddle this winter, actually, and I'm uh, I'm getting there. I've learned some real classical Creole and Cajun styles of playing the the violin, and it's just really difficult for me because I don't I don't have big hands, 
But because some of those things you're supposed to do is like stick your finger down in between the strings. Oh yeah, I don't think I'm getting that crazy. I I I believe it though. None of those guys were trained. I mean, I would imagine. I would think that most of that that playing just came just straight out of the country. You know, it's just like, oh, here's a fiddle. Boom. You're a great fiddle player though. Oh, thank you. My friend Delilah Lewis. She's a gorgeous fiddle player, and she learned from Canary Fontenot directly from Canary Fontenot. You know that song, Le Bar de la Prison. Goodbye, Jalie Mam. Goodbye, Bob Your Pop. Goodbye, I mean, the thing I love about that song is it's like a pan Louisiana experience. Like, there's versions that are entirely in English, there's versions that are entirely Creole French. You see, like, like white Cajun versions, and you see black Creole Zydeco versions, those songs that are like mostly in English with a little bit of French, and it's a cool song. And it's extremely heartbreaking and an incredible portrait of Louisiana. Well, they all are. Every single one of those Cajun songs is the saddest damn story you ever heard in your life put to like really upbeat music. Everything's a tragedy. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Everything's a tragedy and we still have to keep dancing. It's like blues in its, in its own way in the like an exorcism of the, of the darkness, you know. I love your ghost story. That's absolutely perfect. Oh, I'm glad I could contribute. I was, I wish I had a better one. That's the one thing I'll tell you about living in the country. Like I've seen so many things die out here and I've watched them all disappear. Everything disappears into the land like really quick. Watched a horse die. I mean, like not even like sit and watch them die, but a lot of things since I've arrived are no longer here. And you just see the perfection in it. It's just it's amazing. It's really made me a lot less concerned about passing. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in no rush to get out of here, but like, you know what I'm saying? Wow. It's not so scary. That's, that's a valuable perspective. All right. Enjoy your time out in the country and I hope to see you soon. Same. Okay. Bye. Goodbye, Jalie Mom. Goodbye, Bob, your pop. Goodbye, I'm a friend. I'm a child. I'm a child. I'm a child. So good to talk to Gil Landry today. I loved his ghost story. His music is in all the places and I suggest checking out his Patreon. He does really beautiful visual art. 
and it's a huge honor for me. He just covered one of my songs. I love this recording that he made. He's a beautiful photographer. He's an incredible guitar picker, and I think he gives lessons through his Patreon, if you want to check that out. Thank you for joining us at the Ghost Story Salon.